Hello, I am so excited for another episode of True Stories of Cowgirl Courage because today I have an absolutely amazing cowgirl full of courage sitting here with me in Laramie, Wyoming. And uh, I'm just honored to have Julie Howard be willing to meet with me and share how she has overcome many, many hard things. And she's going to share with us some of her life and some of the ways that she's been able to um, come out shining. And that doesn't mean the days aren't hard, some of them, and that doesn't mean that there's not still a lot of things to deal with. But she is uh, one of the most inspirational people that I have known in the last few years. And I've just gotten to know her in the last few years. So oh, thank you. I'm honored that you asked me to join you today. Uh, and so thank you for having me. Oh, Julie, you're, you're just amazing. And just a little bit of tiny bit of background, and then we're going to get into your story. Um, Julie's married to George Howard, who I actually knew in Colorado growing up. My brother and him were close to the same age, and we all rodeoed together, him and his sister, and me and my brother and sister, so I've known him quite a long time, and um, he is, was the rodeo coach for the University of Wyoming, and my daughter um, was so excited to be on his team. That was that was her main thing, and <laughs> he just, we'll get into that later. But um, that's, I just kind of want to give a tiny bit of background about how I met you. And okay, so would I would like for you to share now where you grew up. And also, if you can, um, maybe some things that stand out from your childhood that you realize looking back now. I know we're all born with a certain personality and, mm -hmm. and certain gifts. But if there's anything in the way you were raised that kind of brought you to here, um, we'd love for you to share that, too. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Well, I grew up in northeastern Colorado. Um, my dad and my mom were both educators at some point in their, in my childhood. And um, so they instilled in us a true value that education held. And so I also grew up with horses and cattle and a small farm. And so um, I always grew up around horses, and that was a huge part of our life. So um, we, I was very involved in 4-H, um, and I was the oldest of four kids, and I have three younger brothers, and so I'm the only girl, and so I think I'm the bossiest. <laughs> I know if you well, ask my brothers, they would say that. Right, right. And you you were the mother of them too, right? Because well, that's what little girls do. They do. They do. They mother <laughs> their little brothers. So, um, but I, I had a great childhood and I grew up in a Christian home, which was really important to me. And um, I think it's helped me get through difficult times in my life. And so I think that was really important. I was very blessed that way. Um, very involved in 4-H, so a lot of leadership skills. And um, so that, I'm sure, has kind of shaped me into the person that I am today. So, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think having that solid foundation of faith mm -hmm. growing up, even mm -hmm. if you appear to walk away from it for a while or you, uh -huh. you even question it at a time. Right. Um, it's always still there, though, to go yes, back to. And, exactly. Yeah, yes. I think that's a, the best way to raise kids. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. So then, um, were, what about FFA? Were you in FFA? I, I really wasn't involved in FFA. It was mostly 4-H at that time. Okay. Um, 
Well, 4-H is an amazing organization because it, is. It, it gives kids a chance to explore so many things of interest mm-hmm. and to um, uh, present projects and learn how to do that and then and um, have friendships in that same group right? and life skills and things like that. Yes. So that was obviously huge to you. Yes, it was. I love it that. It was, yes. So then I I think you maybe met George in college, but can you tell us what you did after high school and then yes. how you guys met? I actually met George uh, my senior year of oh. high school. Oh. And he had been attending Northeastern Junior College. Right. And it was the summer after he graduated from Northeastern that I met him. Um, we went to a mutual friend's house to rope one Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and I, I found out later that he had been to my house to rope, and I wasn't home. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> and so um, I met him, and we um, talked a lot that day. And then I found out that he was going to Cheyenne Frontier Days. And I happened to be going to Cheyenne Frontier Days. And we just happened to run into each other while we were there. And so that's kind of how it started off. And that is why our oldest daughter's name is Cheyenne. And, oh, I you know, when we know had, that. Yes. I and love it. We didn't know at the time that we would ever be living in Wyoming. Or we probably, I don't know, because it's kind of confusing when we talk about I'm going to Cheyenne's and then people think I'm going to the town. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't really think that through is what right, you're saying. <laughs> right. But um, George went to Colorado State University. And so we dated for three years and never lived in the same uh, town all the time we were dating. And so it was a long-distance relationship. I finished up high school, and then I went to Northeastern Junior College. And so we would have to see each other on weekends. And, you know, at that time, we didn't have cell phones, so we couldn't call. I mean, it was long distance to call. So I'm sure I was scolded many times for (laughs) running up the bill, but we did write letters. Oh my word. So, you know, several letters a week back and forth. Julie, I hope you kept, I hope you kept some of those letters. I do have some of those letters. Oh my word. How precious is that? I know it. I know it's such a different time to think about how if you you could call someone, but long distance, like you said, and Mm -hmm. also were they home? when you called. Right. And typically we weren't. <laughs> so, or a party line, you know, party, somebody else was yeah, on the listening. <laughs> I know. So, oh, I and but, so you went to NJC for I obviously did. the two years. And, uh-huh. and, you know, back in those times, it seemed like a lot of people got married within two years of graduating from high school. Um, you know, it seems like now most people wait until they are finished with a four-year degree and You know, they wait till they're a little older. But I got married um, after two years of junior college. And George's degree was in um, ag education. And we really thought he would be at a high school. And I think the Lord had different plans for him because they put him right in Dodge City Community College. Ah. And he was um, teaching equine science and an assistant rodeo coach. And, of course, we both... You know, to start your married life out, move away, which is good, I think. You know, we only had to depend on each other. And so it was a long way for us to move away. But we were in Dodge City for two years. And then he had the opportunity to get his master's degree and be a graduate assistant at Southwestern Oklahoma State University in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Okay. So we moved down there and... um, 
you know, we didn't have a lot of money, and I know that we didn't get to come home for Christmas that first year that we were down there. But um, I would just say that all through our lives, the Lord really took care of us. And George trained horses on the side, and he was also a horseshoer, and he sheared a lot of horses. And so we always had some ways to, you know, come up with a little bit of extra money. And um, it was Christmas Day, and we lived in this tiny house. And um, he had made friends with a banker that used to live in Weatherford. And the banker said, hey, I have an empty house. If you would train a horse for me, then you could live there rent-free. And so I was like, well, let's go look at it. And it was a gorgeous house. Oh, my word. It had a swimming pool in the backyard. What? <laughs> I know. That is amazing. And so it was, you know. Oh. Um, but we always had the dream of eventually owning our own place. And so we finally bought an acreage and just land and built what exactly what George wanted. And so that was fun. And that was in Oklahoma? Uh-huh. Okay. At Weatherford. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long were you guys there then? We were there for 13 years. Wow. Um, both our daughters were born there. Oklahoma natives. Oklahoma natives. <laughs> that's right. Uh-huh. And so... Um, yeah, George was a rodeo coach and um, really busy and also trained horses on the side. Um, we had some race horses going. Oh, how fun. And so, George always had all, all kind of horses he was tending to. I yes. remember, he was like that in high school. <laughs> really? Oh, my goodness. I feel yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, he always had some cool horse he was working on, and they were always mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> yeah, he loved that. He did. He really loved Aww. it. So. Um, oh, my goodness. So I... I always had in the back of my mind, um, of course, with my both my parents being educators, um, I wanted to be a teacher. That was a huge dream of mine. But we got married, you know, have a lot of money. We had two girls, and I always took classes um, in the summer, on weekends, night classes, and I was super close to getting my teaching degree. And it was just always a little bit out of reach. But when Cheyenne and Brooke were, um, Cheyenne was five, starting kindergarten, and Brooke was three, Um, I woke up in the middle of the night one night with a really bad pain in my wrist. And I did not go to the doctor to see about it. I waited um, about five months, I think. Was it constant pain? I mean, Um, at first it was severe Mm -hmm. pain. And Mm -hmm. I just thought I was I was a rodeo team secretary at the university. So I got to work alongside George and uh, Dr. Don Mitchell. Um, Mm. And so that was really cool that we could work together. And so. I finally went to the doctor, and they took it out. And when they took it out, they said, oh, we're 98% sure that it's not cancerous. And, of course, they sent it off to pathology. And um, my doctor called, and, oh, my gosh, we went to Oklahoma City to see him, and he told us it was cancer and just floored. You know, I it was not can't imagine because yeah. like you said, it was high percentage that it wouldn't be. Right. And and, and you were a busy mom, young mom, and mm-hmm. I was very optimistic back then. Like right. that, like, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. That's, That's why you didn't go people. to the doctor for five months, right? right. You're like, Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Bless and your heart. So I proceeded to go through a lot of tests because the doctors really felt like the cancer was probably somewhere else and it just showed up there 
And um, so lots of tests found out the cancer was only contained in my wrist area. It was in the ulna nerve. And when they opened up that nerve, it just popped out like an egg. It didn't have roots or anything. But um, we went for several opinions. And the last person we met with was a doctor in Oklahoma City who was retired. And somebody called him and said, you need to come in and talk to this young couple. And he spent about two hours with us. And he looked through all my tests. And he gave us all the options from doing nothing to... um, doing surgery that would have removed lots of nerves, high doses of radiation because chemotherapy wouldn't kill it. It was a type of cancer that normally shows up in your lower extremities, not your arm, but, you know, I'm rare. (laughs) And so, um, and then, of course, amputation. And when they first said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And they had mentioned that to us in the beginning, and... After we met with this doctor, um, Georgia and I walked out and left his office and walked out into the hallway. And um, I looked at George and I said, I have to have it amputated. And he said, yep, you do. But it was just like a burden had been lifted off of us. Because when you make that decision and you know that's what the Lord wants you to do, um you know you're doing the right thing. You still have to go through a lot of hard stuff. But, um, yeah, I... I you knew that was the best option, and you knew God would see you through that. Right. And so um, I had about a week to get ready for that. And Sabalich, which is a world-renowned prosthetic company, is in um, Oklahoma City. And I went to Savalich, and I walked in, and I said, I'm going to have my arm amputated. How do I get ready for this? And, you know, most of their patients that they get, um, they see them after the amputation. And so um, I could have the prosthetist um, speak to the surgeon so that they amputated so that I could wear a prosthesis afterwards. And, um, you know, they told me, they said, this is really tough. You're going to grieve. Part of you is getting ready to die. And how do you say goodbye to your arm? You know, I don't. I don't even know. I don't yeah. have words for. I know it's hard. And there was one night I distinctly remember. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I could not sleep. And I just got my Bible out and I just started reading. And I had read a lot of stuff. And the I finally turned to and I want to grab my Bible and read it to you because yes, I please. don't paraphrase very well. Yes, please. I turned to uh, Proverbs three, and this is what it said to me: "My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor." and good name in the sight of God and man. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean onto your lean not onto your own understanding. And when you're diagnosed with cancer, people come out of the woodwork, you know, they all have cures. Oh yes, <laughs> I've heard you this. know, mm-hmm. um, and um, lots of different things. Yes. And the Lord was just saying, don't listen to everybody else. Just keep your eyes on me, Listen to me. and you're going to be fine. <laughs> and so um, uh, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first fruits of all your crops. 
Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will be brimming with new wine. And so I had peace and I fell right to sleep. And I woke up the next morning and I shared it with George. And he's like, what's that part about the barns? (laughs) (laughs) He was just joking with me. (laughs) um, You know, the Lord keeps his promises because I'm here today. And after my arm was amputated, um, George was training horses. We had that fall within a month. He had so many horses. We had to rent another barn to keep horses. So our barns were filled to overflowing. So, um, yeah, that was that is phenomenal. But the best part of that was I was receiving a lot of mail every day, and um, I went to the mailbox, and I would probably receive. I don't know, 15 to 20 get well, cheer you up cards. And I opened a card from a lady. I don't know. I, to this day, I don't know who, if she was. I don't know if she's real. I don't know who she was. And that verse was what she put in her card. Are you kidding? Uh-uh. It was an angel, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so that is, it just, oh. the peace just came over me. But I look back at that time and... I truly don't know how George or my mom and dad drove me to a hospital. How did I walk in the hospital knowing what was going to happen, you know? And the only way I did it was through God's strength. And um, I was wheeled into surgery, and I know I was crying. And I always thought that it was a nurse that was holding me in their arms because I remember looking up and I remember she was all in white. I don't know. <laughs> and um, I don't even know if it was a woman. Um, but there was they had on a mask, a surgical mask, and there was a tear rolling down over the top oh. of that mask. Oh, my word. And at the time, I thought it was somebody like a you know, a surgical nurse, but they were holding me in their arms and it could have been Jesus. I don't know, you know, but, um, so my, back to my dream of becoming a teacher, um, George and I had had the talk that life is too short to be doing something you don't want to do. And I'd always wanted to be a teacher and I had been working hard toward that. And so I figured out that I could graduate with a teaching degree in nine months. And so a week after my arm was amputated, I started classes and might have been the craziest thing I've ever done. Um, I really hadn't thought that through. I knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I was now handicapped. And um, I had to learn everything, everything all over again to get dressed, tie my shoes, drive a car, cook. Um, and of course my mom was there and, but that the physical side of it was easy compared to the mental part Wow! because I just knew everybody was staring. And I know I went that first class I went to, I sat in the front so I wouldn't have to look at anybody. I didn't have to talk to anybody. And I know I sat there and hyperventilated cause I just felt like everybody was staring at the girl with one arm. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I was put did my student teaching uh, about four months later and a second grade classroom and kids ask questions 
Ma'am, do they? And they're so accepting too, though. They are. They want to know. They genuinely want to know. Yeah. And it helped me heal because it made me talk about it. And so that was a blessing. And I graduated and um, I've been cancer free for 30 years. Oh my gosh, Julie. Mm hmm. Okay, I have a lot of things going through my head about that. <laughs> okay. That was just, that was astounding. Um, let me see. I know the physical pain, though, it must have been something. Um, it was unbelievable. And I was, um, it was, it was bad. Um, of course, you're given pain medicine, and um, I can still see it. I had a little purple pill. It wasn't whatever they are advertising on TV. Um, and the doctor sent me home, I don't know, probably with a couple days' worth. And I call him and I go, um, I'm out of those little pills. I need some more. And he goes, you're not going to get any more. And I go, you don't understand. <laughs> I've just had my arm amputated. <laughs> and he goes, I couldn't give you any more of those if I wanted to. They're highly addictive. And I'm going, yeah. you need to give me some of those. Oh, man, I get and, it. And, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was very painful. So, so mm-hmm. what do you, where do you go from there? I mean, what did you... Oh, there was probably was... a step down. You know, there was another mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. drug, um, probably not as potent. Um, and then finally, you know, it took a while, though. Um, yeah. It took a while. Do you still have any pain or any, um, it just feels normal now? Right. I did have some phantom pains. Yes. um, And I do once in a while, but not very often. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I love how you said the mental, though, was was way more challenging than the the physical. I think that's something a lot of us don't think about. Mm -hmm. And I think that might, not just the painkiller, I mean, I don't know, but... That that the medicine could become addicting too, because it probably kind of numbs out you yourself mentally. Probably, so you I hadn't thought about to, that. Yeah, yeah, so you don't have to deal with the. I don't want to walk around like this. Right. I don't want to, you know, whatever it is going mm-hmm. on in your head, because we're all different. But that's crazy. Yeah. And it is. and to be honest, I mean, that's that's a good doctor. As much as it was hard for you to mm-hmm. not be able to take that pain reliever but it was like you had to face this mm-hmm. and the physical is you know yeah. <sighs> okay but you know what else I absolutely love about this story What's is that? is your husband and how he uh, proved to you he was just going to be there yeah no matter what and yeah. that you guys both knew um, you knew each other well enough that you walked out and you both knew what the answer was yeah, and he he never missed a beat. And no. I, I remember um, being in contact a little bit with his mom and dad during that time, and and they were telling us the story and and how George was just like, "Hey, this is what we're doing. It's yeah, not going to change anything other than the hardships that you had to go through." And but it didn't I, change his love for you. It probably no. made him love you more. I yeah, I know that now. But at the time, you think. Why would a man want to stay with a one-armed oh, woman? Goodness you know? gracious, I know. <laughs> you know, you have all those doubts. Heck yeah. and, and my doctor was really good. Um, he told George, he goes, now, he goes, you have to let Julie figure out how to do this. You can't baby her. 
And he said, you know her well enough that you know when she's going to reach a frustration level. And then you can jump in, but don't you jump in until she's frustrated. Wow. Because he knew that I would become dependent on him and I would never be um, depend on myself. That, that was probably hard for him. Um, I think it was. Because, I think for men, you know, because men, they're our protectors. Yes. And they uh-huh. want to take care of us. Um, good, good men, good husbands. Uh-huh. And, and I, I can't imagine him <sighs> trying to hold himself back from, okay, mm-hmm. trying to remember the doctor's words mm-hmm. and do the right thing for you right. in the end. I mean, mm-hmm. right in the moment, it probably didn't feel like the right thing sometimes to yeah. watch you struggle. But um, he loved you enough to do the right thing. And I had a friend tell me that... Um, this was after George died. She said, I loved watching the two of you together. And I didn't know this. She said, um, the first time I was ever really around you was at like a potluck dinner. And oh, when there's a potluck dinner and there's not a place to set no, my plate. And right, fill it, you know. right. And she said, I watched you and George go through that line. <laughs> and no words were exchanged. He was always my left hand side and we didn't have to say hey hold this plate or (laughs) he just did it he do what I liked he just filled my plate I mean we worked together and so that always meant a lot to me after she told me that because I mean I probably realized it but I didn't realize it you know no totally I mean you're just uh what a beautiful picture that that woman sat there and watched you two. Uh-huh. I, I absolutely love that, Julia. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. for sharing that. And, and I hope you see, too, I know your girls would attest to this, what it did for them, this hardship right. for you. Because to watch their mom be this amazing, brave person and come through this and go on to even be better and to watch their phenomenal dad love their mom. Through yeah. it, yeah. and watch you guys be a team. Oh, I we're not going to get through this. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, Sorry, I didn't want to. No, make it's so powerful. It's so it's good tears because it's such a testament to so many things that you guys have given your girls. Mm. And, Thank you. Um, yeah, and wow. you know we couldn't have done any of this without you know Christ being at the center. Absolutely. And, you know, and just. You know, reassuring us that we've got this. It's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. I I was going to go back to the choices on your treating the cancer, but so did they think that it was going to spread as well? Yes. Okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's just a super rare Super rare. And and chemotherapy, it was only a 50-50 chance that it would kill it. Oh, my. So why go through all that? You know, I... uh, Oh, goodness. I wanted to... um, My girls were three and five. And I wanted to be their mommy. Absolutely. And I didn't want them to grow up without a mom. And it was my dream that I would just get to see them graduate from high school. And then I got to see them graduate from college. (laughs) And I thought, oh, do you think I can... Get to see them married. <laughs> yes. And now I have grandkids, and I'm just... 
and they and they have this amazing grandma who they hopefully they know your story. I know they do, but um, uh, they're pretty little right they're now. They're pretty little, so yeah. yeah. But they'll be able to listen to this too, and right, and really hear your heart. And mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful. Well, I mean, yeah. gosh, they're gonna just be blown away <laughs> by their own grandma. Yeah, so precious. Thank um, you. I absolutely love what you're sharing. It, okay. It's so powerful. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I, I think I lost another thought there, but maybe it'll come back. So, so um, yeah, because your girls were pretty little. They were. And you were still in the stage, honestly, of kind of doing a lot for them in some ways, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So they kind of got to watch you fight through this mm-hmm. and win. Right. And, I mean, I can't. I can't imagine what else could be better for, yeah. I mean, as you know, I'm not saying that it was good. It happened because of that, but that mm-hmm. is good. That came out of it. Yeah, there is good that came out of yes. it. And, you know, my mom and I were talking at one time and my mom said, you know what, if you can just help one person, if somebody comes yep. to know the Lord because of all this, it will be worth it. And so that's kind of my prayer now that, um, I hope I can help somebody every day. You, I, hope I, I can say that you do, Julie. You are a shining light, uh, honestly. You. And I, uh, that was my thought, actually, that I was going to say, because on this podcast, I like to talk about a lot about how um, our scars, what gifts they give us. Yes. And, I mean, God doesn't cause them to happen, but he can make something good out of them. That's right. And, and that I, was our prayer when we went and prayed in amazing. the church. You know, I don't know why this is happening to us, but something good has to come from it. And boy, I think we just covered a lot of good things that happened from it. Mm-hmm. Um, can yeah. you, is there anything we missed as far as well, what um, good has? Well, and I finally, I had to sub at first. I didn't get a teaching job. It's hard to get a teaching job in a college town, yes. a university town. Yes. But I finally got a job. I taught at Maple, which is a rural school. And um, I have a lot of good friends there still. And it was a wonderful job. It was just perfect. And then um, George gets a new job. Within a year, and we moved to Laramie, Wyoming, and the University of Wyoming, and um, I had to find another job, but this was a great move for us. Um, Laramie is a great place to raise a family, Mm -hmm. and this was like moving home for us, because I grew up in northeastern part of Colorado. George grew up outside of Denver in in a, well, it's not a small town anymore, because it's all run together. Yes. But, um... (laughs) Uh, so we were close to both of our families, and that was awesome. Our grand, or our kids would get to know their grandparents, and, um, you know, you could run there for a weekend. And Absolutely. See them, or they could come see us for a weekend. And my dad had run cattle in the Laramie Valley for years. And so um, he was on a lot of different ranches here and ran yearlings in the summertime. So this was kind of like moving home for us. Oh, gosh. Um, George referred to the University of Wyoming as the Duke of, co- of College yes. Radio. Yes. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, you probably heard is. him say that. Yeah. It kind he, of is. It kind yeah. of is. Yeah. So he <laughs> loved it. And beautiful facility. The Cliff and Martha Hansen teaching arena was fairly new at that time. And so I only had to sub a year, and then I got a teaching job. So this is my 25th year of teaching oh, at word. Indian Paintbrush. Oh, um, my word. Have you always been in second grade, or have you moved around no, a little No, I've bit? moved around a little bit. Okay. Um, I've been in third grade. I did about a half a year in sixth grade at a middle school. And so wow. second and... And third grade have been my Well, years. and Julie, I wonder, uh, you can answer this, but 
I feel like the kids must be so inspired by you because you kind of take away some excuses from sometimes from people because yeah. you're you're just this lovely uh genuine person and mm-hmm. you just do your thing and um you know what are they gonna if yeah. they come up with excuses sometimes it probably occurs to them who their teacher is mm-hmm. um maybe they don't even realize it at that age but oh I have to address it within the first minute of a new school yes. year because especially if you have new kids coming in the door and they go whoa, I've got a teacher with one arm. <laughs> <laughs> right. But kids say the best things, and I try to keep track of some of them in my phone. Oh, I love and, that. Oh, my gosh. You've got to They share. will ask. They will ask crazy, crazy what, things. What's your favorite one? Can you think of one? Are you the soul surfer? <laughs> um, is that contagious? And I'll point at my arm. <laughs> Oh, Julie. I don't know. Julie, okay, so now is the time. I I knew I was going to share this story. It's so funny to me. It just shows me so much about who you are. And and again, I feel like I'm I'm just getting to know you, really. Uh Um, We got to know you a little bit more, you know, through when Rosalind was rodeoing over Uh here. But um, I had met you previously and, and, um, you know, at the funeral and before Mm -hmm. that, just very briefly. And then you came by our booth at Frontier Days this year, and uh-huh. and you just look like a different person. Um, and so, honestly, and it had been a while, you know, uh-huh. and I was chatting with you, and oh, the story is so funny. <laughs> and I, I knew that I knew you, but I just could not place you for whatever reason. I don't know what was going on. Uh-huh. Just a lot of, you know, little in my head, uh-huh. just from all the people walking through that oh, booth. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so you walked away, and, and my daughter said, Mom, that was George's wife. And I'm like... Duh. So I, I was just heartbroken that I didn't run out and give you a hug. And like, it just, I just couldn't connect it. And when you came back by, I was so excited you came back by. I'm like, Julie, oh my gosh, I, I am so sorry. I, now I know who you are. And you immediately said, really, Mary, how many one-armed women do you know? <laughs> I know. And I laughed so hard. I can't even tell you. That just was so funny to me that you were able to just yeah. be like, hey, seriously, Mary? <laughs> well, and you know, just, I've been on this health journey, so that oh, kind of yes. that threw you off a little yes, bit. Yes, it, it definitely yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, you you look amazing. Thank amazing. You. And Thank we're you. gonna get to that. But yes. just to come out of all the things that you have and and continue to make your life better and, and keep mm-hmm. on this path of self-improvement and I can do this and yeah. I'm gonna be a good example. Mm-hmm. And man alive, have you ever done that? So, um, and then, so was George teaching any classes at the college or was he just coaching the team? Um, Here in the last few years of his life, um, I don't know how he did this, but horses are always his passion. Heck yeah. And he started co-teaching a class, um, and I can't even tell you the name of it. It was like a pre, maybe it was equine veterinary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he taught it with um, another vet. And George wasn't a vet, but he knew a lot about horses. Yes. And so they co-taught it. And so um, George knew the practical side, and the vet knew the technical medical oh, side. Oh, wow. Great team. And he loved that. So he, that was the only class he taught at the University of Wyoming. Primarily, it was the rodeo team. So, And he loved that. You know, um, we'd look back at it, and we would joke about this. You know, I would have... Uh, between 15, I don't know if I ever had 20 kids in class, but he would have, 
you know, anywhere from maybe 70 to 80 kids on the rodeo team a year. Oh, yeah. And we would say, well, between the two of us, we have 100 kids. <laughs> that's a lot and, of kids. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. <laughs> and, but you know what? That was our life. That was, um, I always thought that when my kids would go to college, I would hope that there would be somebody there that would treat them like they were at home when they have hard times. And, you know, we saw lots of college kids. Um, You know, we were pretty young when George started at a university or at the junior college himself. But we saw lots of kids that were super homesick when they got to college. Yes. Some would go plumb wild without mom and dad. And we always told the kids that our door is always open. If you're ever feeling lonely or sad or homesick, you know, we will always have, George would tell them, we always have popcorn. <laughs> and so you could come by. And we started um, lasagna dinners that lots of people, kids still remember. And so at first, um, if it was once a month, we would have lasagna for anybody whose birthday was in that month. And um, so then we got really tired of having lasagna because we'd always have leftovers, you know, and it lasts so really. So then we moved it to, um, I would like have two or three months at a time. And so, but kids loved it and we would feed them. But, you know, when you're a rodeo coach, you're a vet, you're a banker, you're a mechanic, you're a counselor. Um, You have a a huge role with all these college-age kids. And, but we loved it. You know, we love yeah, it. it's uh, it's hard for me to even describe how he was as a rodeo coach because Roslyn was Roslyn had met him when he came over to Laramie County one time mm-hmm. to judge a horse show, and he just said so many funny things to her. I, his sense of humor just was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, he he just had this way of speaking truth, mm-hmm. but letting the kids know how much he cared and how much he believed in them. I mean, right. just, he's to me what a coach should be. And like yeah. you said, um, the connection he had with the kids was astounding. And uh, Rosalind was over the moon to know that that he was going to be her coach. And, and um, he, she still remembers things that he said to her just mm-hmm. that first year and yeah, it's amazing. Um, every once in a while I get um, a message on Facebook or a text or a Snapchat from former students that say, remember when? I loved it when George told me this. And, yeah, those are nice to get. He left quite a, quite a legacy of, um, of memories that kids that last forever, you know, yeah. just something that, they, that he said to them and, the example he said, and, and he really had a way of being there for all of them. I, I yeah. don't know how that was possible, <laughs> but but probably, well, I do know part of it's possible because you were his partner, and you, you stepped in on that role, too. It was Yes, he was the rodeo coach, but you were really the co-rodeo coach because you had the kids over for dinner, and that's a fact. I mean, they loved every minute of that, couldn't wait. And, and I was also good to go to the ER. I don't know how many times I've been to the ER <laughs> with a and college if it was, kid. Yeah, right. He didn't like that. And if it was a girl, um, he really didn't. Oh. You know, he didn't feel comfortable, and he'd always want me there. But yes. I remember um, 
I can't remember. There was one year that they rode rough stock, I think, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So you just kept your phone close. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, he calls. It was after school. He goes, I need you to come. I've got two bull riders hurt. Two. Two. So I go down there, and um, he's got them both in the same room because he argues with the nurse. He kind of ran the ER. (laughs) And he goes, I can't have them in two rooms. I need to watch both of them. So one has a cut on his cheek that is going to take four stitches. It's no big deal, George. (laughs) And the other one, the bull has hit him in the nose. And I don't know what that piece of... Um, skin is that separates your nose into two yes, on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Well, that was split up into oh, the Lord. nose about two mm-hmm. inches. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So George goes, I'm going to take this one over to this room now because you're here. He takes the one with the little scratch. <laughs> Guess who has to stay and watch him stitch up the nose? Oh dear me. Oh. That was not, okay. That wasn't very fair. No. <laughs> It wasn't. <laughs> he was probably traumatized still he from all, oh, yeah. the, all the things that he, I mean, you guys had been through so much already. Um, oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. I, he was on um, Animal Planet. I don't know what he was on. It was some show on Animal Planet. Um, he had a bareback rider get kicked in the head, and somebody filmed it. And it made Animal Planet no like way. untamed and uncut or something like that. I did like not know that. Oh, yeah. That's but the crazy. best part <laughs> is, yeah, um, somebody was in Cuba, and um, it was one of the athletic trainers from the Orthopedic Center of the Rockies. And he went back to his room, and he was down there with a bunch of wrestlers, and he turned on the TV, and he goes, George was on Animal Planet <laughs> speaking Spanish. And he said, I sat on that bed and just laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> oh, my word. There was, a, there was a lot to love about mm. George. I mean, for all of us. And Rosalind has a great story about when he handed her a vest and, and what he told her. And it, it gave her hope and belief in herself. Mm. And it was it was a powerful moment, which I would have to have her share it, but it was an amazing time. <sighs> and since we're already crying, let's, let's just, just cry. Let's <laughs> just get to the hard thing because okay. we know that you lost George. Um, has it been um, five years? Five, well, I was going to um, say four. in November. Okay, five years in November, and to have someone like that taken mm-hmm. is probably. We had planned on growing old together. Of course. We had dreams of what we would do when he retired. And um, and was he going to retire soon? It sounded like um, maybe or not yeah, sure. Yeah. We were starting to look at that. Starting probably within, yeah. We were, mm-hmm. He was getting ready to retire soon. And um, we were in Douglas because we were going to welcome the birth of our third right. grandchild. <laughs> and it was over um, Thanksgiving weekend. And I will tell you that um, when George got son-in-laws, when he got Troy and Brian, um, oh, my goodness, he was like a little kid. (laughs) He's got sons. (laughs) And we do all these guy things, you know. And so he loved them. He loved them so much. And um, so we were just killing time, and it was the day after Thanksgiving. And um, he was out target practicing, and we think he tripped and the gun discharged. And, um, yeah, um, he wasn't dead, but he um, had severe brain damage. It barely 
I just barely hit him, but it was enough to cause a lot of damage. And you just think, just an inch, just an inch. And um, so he died on his birthday. And um, so the next day is Brooke's birthday, and she was in labor. And um, we got to go um, to the hospital. Brooke has already, had, Brian were already admitted, and Cheyenne and I got to the hospital, and um, fabulous nurses at Converse County Hospital, because um, they all knew, small town. Mm-hmm. And they knew we hadn't slept. And so they tucked Cheyenne and I into our own hospital beds. And they said, you've got to sleep. We had Brooks asleep and we'll wake you up. So we woke up and we went into Brooks' room and Brian was there. And and I remember them, nothing had to be said. They knew. And um, they said, you know, um, we know what you've gone through. We want you to be here to welcome the birth of our baby. We want you in the room. And that was not planned. And so in less than 24 hours, um, I held my husband's hand as he died. And I welcomed and saw new life being brought into this world. And I told the girls, I'm sucking it up because there is no way this grandma is bringing a baby into the world sad. We're going to be here, and we're going to be happy, and we're going to celebrate life. And I think that's what Brooke and Brian said. Life. We're going to celebrate life. And so um, it was a blessing that all of our extended family was already there with us, which would not have happened. And we got, and they named her Brady George. And... um, it has been a little bit uncanny, the mannerisms and the characteristics that she has. Sometimes she'll do something, and we'll all just look at her like, oh, my gosh, that's George. Name <laughs> that one right. Yeah. And so what a blessing she is. And um, oh my goodness. so, um, you know, then we had to start facing the hard stuff, you know. And... Um, I never thought I'd be in a place like that. And I never thought, I was always hoping I'd go first, you know, because it's hard to lose a spouse. We'd been married 35 years. And you guys are young. Yeah, and he was my best friend. And um, and, your, and your left arm. Yeah, yeah, he's my left arm. Yeah. And so... Um, so, Julie, can you talk a little bit about... Um, how do you feel like, I know you're still in, you'll always have that grief. Mm-hmm. It's just It'll always be with now. you now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But looking back on when it was fresh and, and then over the last five years, I can't mm-hmm. believe it's been that long. Um, do you see anything that stands out that you realize now that, you know, that's, that's how I got through this part. That's how I got mm-hmm. through this. I, know, I yeah. mean, I know a lot of it's God, but yes. And you know, um, before George had died, um, the entire family was sitting in his room, and we had lots of family meetings. And um, you know, I said, I don't know why this is happening, but I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, and I'm just going to thank Him in the storm. And that's all I can do. I, that's the only thing I have to lean on is Him. And so um, 
there's a lady who became a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Debbie Fisher. And um, her husband had passed away several years before George, and she didn't know me. I knew her, her husband that she's married to now, but, but you know, everybody here heard about George. And it rocked her world. And so she um, had her friends in California had told her about Grief Share. And Grief Share is a Bible study that is run through a church. And she sent me an email in January and said, um, would, you, would you be interested in doing this? And I, yes. I, I don't even know how to deal with grief. I need something. And so um, it's a 13-week course. And I really believe that God brought Debbie and really spoke to her. And she listened and started this Bible study. And yes. I, you know, the the first um, one we had, I think there were about six or seven ladies, and we're still close, and we just bonded. And so Debbie led it again because I flunked it the first time. <laughs> I flunked it twice. <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> but through that, um, I learned a lot about how to deal with grief and what the Bible says about grief and how the Lord wanted me, you know, to get through it. And it's not easy. It's not easy. But um, now, because of that, uh, Debbie and I co-led a couple Bible studies together of Grief Share, and now I've kind of gone out, and I lead Grief Share, and um, so I don't know, I think I've, I don't know, probably at least six different classes of Grief Share. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, um, I think, you know, I think all of us say, you know, just wherever you want to take us, Lord, you know, (laughs) and we don't, you know, we think, I thought maybe I would be sent to a third world country, be a missionary, put glasses (laughs) on kids, but the Lord said, Julie, you'd be good at grief, and I'm like, what, you know, so I think that has been an area, because I love helping other people, and um, I know it's not me, I know that you know, it's the Lord that helps me do that. So, um, so I've been able, I guess I'm kind of, I don't know, the grief counselor. Yeah. Well, you're, you're the willing vessel. I mean, he can't use you if, if you're not willing. I mean, Mm -hmm. you said, here I am. Okay. What, what can I do with this? And wow. If we can't take these hard things and, and help other people through them, I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's everything. Right. And I know, um, like you said, Without without Christ, you would not be able you have to no have hope. gotten through, right? And yeah. I and I know when people don't have Him, you know they turn to drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and and who knows what. And, right. and we all know how well that works. Mm-hmm. So that is that's a very 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 powerful mm-hmm. testimony, and um, and it's still hard. I mean, it doesn't lessen the pain or the grief, uh-huh. but you, at least if I'm speaking right you have a way to make something good out of it, though. Right. Like we keep right. going Just back like to. when my arm was amputated, something good's going to have to come from this yes. because I don't want George's death to be in vain for yes. nothing. Yes. You know. He, he, um, he was an incredibly special person, and I don't need to tell you that, but um, behind us here on the wall, when you guys, I'll, I'll send a little clip of the video, and I'm going to take a picture of it when mm-hmm. we're done, but is... Um, 
one of the rodeo vests that the team signed and <sighs> just so many things in this house that Julie shared that George built and made and you you just walk in here and you're it's just George and Julie's house and mm, I know that he's um I know he's really proud of you. Thank you. And um wow. I'm kind of speechless right now, but um <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to tell you, you know, you talked about um people going through hard times turn to drugs and alcohol. But some people turn to eating. And, and eating. I mean, I, yeah, I there's know. a lot of things. There's and I think I ate a lot after oh. he passed away. And oh, I, Julie. I got to a place. Um, I was turning 59, and I knew that I was unhealthy. My blood work was bad. Um, I Even before George had passed, I my uh, glucose levels were high. Um, I had high blood pressure. I was overweight. And I... I had seen a friend talking about getting healthy and it just was like, I've got to get healthy. I have to be healthy. So my girls don't have to put me in a nursing home and take care of me. Oh my goodness. And so I started, um, almost two years ago, uh, on a health plan that, um, builds healthy habits in your life and it teaches you how to eat healthy. And it's not just about eating because so many times these health programs out there, diets, just focus on what food. And it's about getting your mind healthy. Yes. It's about getting healthy spiritually, um, exercise at the right time, and eating right. And I started on this plan, and um, I was able, I thought, oh, I'm just going to lose 30 pounds. And um, then I got to 150, and I thought, oh, I still have some fluff. So I lost another 10 pounds. Oh, my word. And um, so the other amazing. thing this plan does is it transitions you off and so that it resets your metabolism so that you don't gain that weight back. But then at the same time, we're working on some exercise. And so, um, yeah, I was able to lose 45 pounds. And, you know, not only am I a grief counselor now, but now I'm a health coach. <laughs> Holy <laughs> so. moly. And you are extremely qualified for both. Oh, I think no, for sure. And, and how much, I mean, it changes you so much mentally to an emotionally. It does. When you let go of unhealthy Unhealthy. Habits. I was an emotional eater. Um, yes. I was a bored eater. Yes. And I had to learn about that. And now I really stop and think about if I put that in my mouth, is, do I really need that? Yeah, you know? is it going to help me? It's not going to help no. me. Yeah. No. And so I had a lot to learn. And so it's just amazing, you know, it, how, well, where the Lord leads you. It is amazing. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can, I know you said you met a friend that was on this health path and, uh-huh. and she's kind of the one that brought you in. Uh-huh. But what made you, because I think we all know people who are doing things that were things. like, uh-huh. I should probably be doing that too. You know <laughs> yeah, what I, I mean? know. But so what was the, what do you think it was that you really decided, okay, because it's a commitment. Uh-huh. You have, it, it's kind of scary, at it least is. in my mind. Like, I feel like sometimes too, um, just even becoming a Christian can be a little scary mm-hmm. for people because it's like, I'm going to have to change. You know, right. but I mean, but Jesus does that for you. Right. But, um, but can you talk a little I just bit really about think, why, yeah. you, why were you able to take the, you were living in, in 
in a lot of grief, even mm-hmm. though you had been through the grief class. And I started before Christmas. I'm like, oh, am I crazy? I'm world missing out on the thinking? Christmas food. <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah. But what do you think it was that, that made you like, okay, this is happening? I was ready. I mean, you just until your mind is, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how ready are you? And I was at a ten. Mm. I was ready to not feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be that nan. I think my grandkids call me nan or nana. Aww. I wanted to be that nan that could get up off the floor after playing with them and that could hike with them, that could play with them, that felt good. And I didn't feel good. And I really didn't feel, realize how bad I felt until I started on the program. And then once you start feeling good and um, you have a community of people that are cheering you on and you get a coach, that those things right there um, are worth a lot. Because you see, mm-hmm. you know, you see results. Um, and it's not fast. I mean... You know, it just, it, you just started seeing results and you felt good. And that was the most important thing. You sleep good. And so I think that's what kept me going. And I think it was just um, the Lord brought these people into my life yeah. because I have some mentors above me that I never would have known them had it yeah. not been for this. And they are also Christians. Mm-hmm. And not only do they mentor me in my business now, but they also mentor uh, mentor me spiritually, and they're mm-hmm. just there to support me. And you know, they go, I don't know who this George is, but we wish we would have known him. Oh, <laughs> and they helped me grow. You know, um, yeah, that's amazing. You needed that community of people, cheerleaders. Cheerleaders. We all need cheerleaders, and, and to have it be people who have been. Some of the hard places that you've been, right? Um, you know. And I've I've known. I mean, there's a lot of people in my organization that have gone through really tough times. Yep. And you know, we all. I mean, I'm no different than anybody else. We all go through muck in the hard places, um, and some people share that. Um, Mine is very obvious. There's a lot of people that have cancer and it's internal. Nobody knows, but mine's, you know, very obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, And George was so well known, you know. Um, He was very successful. I think he had like seven national team titles and 25 individual national (sighs) titles and who knows how many other things. And so, um, yeah, it was very public. I mean, it was in the public eye. So. Well, life is hard. Life is hard. And everybody, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm not any more special than anybody else. Everybody goes through hard times. And that's what I want people to know is that we all go through hard things, but we can get through them. Yes, for sure. And I, and I wore this shirt in honor of you today, <laughs> Julie. It says, life is not tougher than me. Mm-hmm. And man, life life is not tougher than you. And, <laughs> you. and you've proven that. I mean, Thanks. holy cow. I wish we had a belt buckle for that. <laughs> I, I, would, I would give you that. And, mm. and I'm going to give you one of my cool um, Courageous Courageous t-shirts. I want t-shirts one of those t-shirts. Today. Yay! Because courage is contagious. And, and you, you've spilled out your courage on so many. You don't even know all the people, I promise you. And hopefully through this podcast too, you're you're going to be sharing that courage. And That's I want to. Oh no, you know, no, but it is. It's like I'm not. I'm not special. I'm just me. 
And but you've done, but you've done amazing things. You've taken the hard things and turned them into good things in spite of them. And um, nobody wants the things that you've dealt with. Nobody no, wants to nobody lose wants their that. arm, and nobody wants to lose their wonderful husband that they adore. And you have survived both of those, and you've you've come out um, this. You've come out the to be an example and a shining light and a proof of what can happen when you just keep your eyes walk, on Jesus, walk with Jesus. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And I'm going to also be giving Julie the, um, our, our book, the heart of a cowgirl, which cause she has little cowgirl granddaughters. I do. You have little cowboys too. I have one cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> one cowboy, but he already has, uh, he's he has kinda, all of them. He's yeah, he does have all of the books. Um, and then this, the heart of a cowgirl is, um, Based on Proverbs thirty-one and how the cowgirl lives her life, so wow, so that your daughters, your granddaughters uh-huh. are going to love they that. They will and love I, that. I want a picture of you reading that to them. And so, don't I hope they're not watching this? But I bought some of. I don't think it's that. No, one. you bought the cur- courage. Okay, the for cowgirl Christmas. Way. Yeah, so. it's for Christmas. Okay, they're going to love yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, you have to keep this one here, maybe. And I might. When they come yes, over. I'll mm-hmm. keep this because I here. see your little books. Oh yes. So okay, sweet. we'll keep that one here. Oh my gosh, Julie, this this has been so powerful. And Thank I, you. I want to share with everybody that um, if you're interested in having a health coach and a friend and somebody who's been down some hard roads um, help you with your health and to feel better, mm-hmm. you can get a hold of Julie. Um, yes. I'll have her uh, name and things on the Facebook post for mm-hmm. this podcast, and, and you're welcome to reach out to her and, and uh, talk about any of these topics that we talked about because whew, she is uh-huh. she's a powerful coach because coaches are meant to get more out of you than you thought you had and to give you more belief in yourself than you thought you had and and to guide you in a positive direction and that's what her and George's life has been entirely built around I would say so it's powerful stuff and whoo Okay, so lastly, Julie, and uh-huh. I didn't prepare you for this part, so oh, no. I have a feeling you're <laughs> going to be good at this, though. I'm not even a little bit worried. It, what I like to end with is if you have something you can share about um, what do you, what's your most, well, what I call it is your best life hack. So mm. what, is, what is your best kind of rule of life that you feel like you've lived by looking back or that you've learned recently even? But, okay. But what's kind of your theme of your life that you can tell other people who are going through hard things okay. um, that, that's gotten you through? Okay. Um, I think that having some structure in your life is really important. You just, you know... And structure is, I think about my partner teacher, who's very structured, you know, mm-hmm. lists. Mm-hmm. I love you, Stacy. <laughs> um, and I'm just kind of like, fly by the seat of my pants, but I'm structured too. But um, I think structure is really important. So I start my day every day, um, try to, I wouldn't say it's every day, because that would make me sound like a saint or something, and I'm not. <laughs> uh, but I try to spend some time reading my Bible and in prayer and um you know, if you make your bed every day, even if you have a bad day, and you come home at night and that bed is made, um, you did one thing right. And so always go to bed on a positive note. Um, so I read my Bible, and, and this is just, mm-hmm. you know, probably in the last uh, four months, 
um, I, after I spend some time with the Lord in prayer and reading my Bible, then um, I try to do some kind of exercise. And I've been doing core exercises. And I, this summer I've been running. I ran. I can run a 5K now. No oh, way. Are you I'm serious? I'm um, almost 61 years old. Dang, girl. And so um, having some exercise and, you know, trying to get some time for yourself. It seems like when school starts, I'm running from 5 in the morning until... 10 at night, but having just some quiet time for you. And, you know, when you are in that quiet time with the Lord, just being still and listening. And Mm. so, um, yeah. Wow. I love that. I absolutely love that. I do. So there's a life hack. Well, I don't know. No, it is. It is. And it's discipline. Yeah. And surround yourself with people who believe like Mm. you do Mm -hmm. and choose your friends wisely, you know, um, surround your community with people who will support you, but yet tell you when you have a burger hanging out your nose. You know, <laughs> you got to have people that will say, "Oh, Julie, that's not a good idea." <laughs> your tags out on the back yeah. of your shirt. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, Julie. So, and I, I said that was going to be how we ended, but uh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, I have that's to, okay. <laughs> I have to go one more place with you, and I hope it won't be too hard because okay. I have a feeling this is maybe a hard thing. It would be for me. Um, I know you must be lonely uh, for George. Yeah. I think um, that might be the hardest part. And um, we had dreams. And for a while, I didn't have any dreams, you know. And now I'm starting to dream again and thinking, what can I do? What do I really want to do? So... So you've kind of had to rethink some of them because yeah. the other ones were with yeah, George. Yeah, with George. <laughs> and so your life totally changes. Yeah. yeah. But so. you've been willing to adjust and adapt and um, with God directing it. Yeah. Wow. That's and becoming a, a health skill. coach, um, I am not quite so lonely. And I have to share, you know, Cheyenne and Brooke, um, when I started doing this, I found out later they were talking they're like yeah let's just see how much weight mom can lose and then let's just see if she can keep it off <laughs> and both girls they should have known you better than that <laughs> I know. they should have but they um but anyway um so both of them have um been able to get healthy and lose some Gosh, weight as they, well they're just beautiful and girls i know oh. one thing that they said to me um is mom you're different and, and not in a bad way, but you're different. And I have found a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And I think for probably three years, I had no purpose. I mean, I had my girls, but I just didn't feel like I had a purpose. And now, helping people get healthy, helping people through grief, I have a purpose. Oh, and I love that. And mm. I'm not as lonely. Mm. Wow. Okay, so, I so I'm sorry to make you cry. No, no, gosh, well, I haven't really stopped the whole time, but I think, uh, wow, I'm so glad I actually made you talk about that. I know it was hard, but I, I feel like that's a huge life hack, too. You've got to have a purpose. You have to have a purpose. Uh, that's bigger than yourself. And you've got to have dreams. And, and, I, and I think it's good, it's not good, but it's okay that you didn't for a while, because Otherwise, you wouldn't have known, like, the contrast and, like, I need a purpose. Plus, you were mm-hmm. grieving so intensely. Yeah. I mean, you And I still miss be, George, and yes. he's always going to be a part yes. of my life. And people think um, 
I think people have said to me, you just need to get over it. No. Well, I'm sorry, you don't get over no. that. No. Because part of who I am is who George was yep. because we were together for 38 years. Yep. And so I still have to take by my memories, the best part of him, who he made me to be, and I take him with me and I move on, but I don't get over so I move on through life with him. It's just different. It's just different. So, Julie, I bet you have some cool stories maybe about um, times when you know he's kind of there and, and just some interesting things have probably <sighs> happened, but you yeah. can... You can um, I don't know. No, you know he, he's all in this house, like I yeah, said, and yeah. I, I know that you probably feel him. And, uh-huh. and you never know when that grief wave is going to come over you. Yeah, you know, I might walk out thing. in the garage and... There's the tools he used to yep. use. And you just cry over a silly saw. Yeah. You know? And that's okay, right? Yeah, that's you okay. Just cry I think I told it. you I planted a garden this summer mm-hmm. in George's horse pen. He's probably not happy he's not about happy that. About <laughs> but man, do I have a good garden. Thank you, George. <laughs> I know. It was already fertilized. It was fertilized. And, and, yeah. And, yeah, I think he's probably Maybe like, he helped well, to grow. I don't okay. know. He probably did, honestly. <laughs> oh, I love that, Julie. I love that. Yeah. I love everything about this podcast. Podcast. This has been amazing to Thank me you. and so transformative. Well, I feel honored that you would. Oh no, no, want you, to talk to me? Gosh, or? it's it's been amazing to get to know you, and I'll never not know you again. <laughs> <laughs> you know everything. <laughs> oh, I just oh, there's oh. so many stories that I could share. And yes, so. yes. I don't know. You might have to write a book someday. But. You know, um, I've had several of his former students ask me because we have great rodeo stories. No, you do. And oh, my goodness. Ha- you have great all kind of stories and mm-hmm. just overcoming. And Yeah. Whew. Anyway, I can't thank you enough for sharing your courage today. Thank you. And um, like I always say, it's contagious. <laughs> and if you can't catch some from Julie, I, I don't know. I, I can't really help you. But anyway, <laughs> Julie, mm-hmm. thank you again. Thank and, you. Um, this is just... Julie and I uh, signing off for today and reminding all of you to live each day with courage. Even when it's hard, um, you can still make that choice. So thank you so much, Thank Julie. you. Bye. Bye. Just for one night But if you wanna cry Just let it